Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are six days into July, which means new athletic director for Penn State football, Patrick Kraft, has been at work for almost a full week. Uh, as he got started, he had an exclusive interview with Blue White Illustrated and senior editor Nate Bauer. So today we're going to be talking about the big changes at Penn State football that maybe you're not going to notice because they're going on behind the scenes with a new athletic director. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. That's coming up today on the BWI Daily Edition. Let's get going. Nate joining us here on the BWI Daily Edition. Nate, good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? What's going on? Uh, I'm curious. I love I, I, I one of the things I love about my job is working with you and uh, with Ryan and with Greg because you get so much good information. You get so much good stuff. To not just tell the public, but I get to know it too. Like I'm fascinated to hear about all this stuff. So excited for the show today, and I want to know. Uh, you got a chance to sit down with Patrick Kraft. So, what's he like? What was your, what were your impressions of the uh, new AD at Penn State? Yeah, he's he's very easy to talk to. Uh, just you know, and look, most people saw his introductory press conference or saw, you know, bits and pieces, even clips of some of the things that he had to say. And like, I get it in, in a formal press conference, when you're being introduced as the athletic director, there's a certain element of winning the press conference, right? Like just right. Uh, saying the right things, having the right sound clips, having the, the right things to say, um, and really being non-committal, <laughs> Right. Like, you know, it's like yeah. uh, you just get hired for the job. Uh, what are you realistically going to say about future plans for the natatorium? Right. Yeah. Like, that's not yeah. that's not part of it. We, we um, asked him every question under the sun and he had, he was like, I got to leave Boston College first. Yeah, you know, yeah. So like questions about NIL, Beaver Stadium, facilities, uh, the yeah. hierarchy of sports at Penn State, his overall right. view of the world, like. You know, the, the stories were great, and the yeah. uh, energy in the room was palpable, but tangible information, what's he supposed to say? Like, I don't know. I just got hired here. This isn't even technically my first day, which yeah. is why we're here today, because now yeah, it technically is his first day. Yeah, I, and I think I think the, the core point to, to correct is that, yes, it, it's his sixth day uh, full-time on the job, but he's really been at Penn State for about a month and a half now. Right. Yeah. He he spent the month of May and this was actually part of the conversation that I had with him. He he talked about May was really tying up all the loose ends at Boston College and Boston College honestly moved fairly quickly uh, in hiring his replacement. So there wasn't a, a ton for him to do in terms of his departure from Boston College. Um, but that allowed for the month of June effectively for him to start to to be at the BJC, right. To be in athletics, yeah. to, to tour campus, to, to see what the nuts and bolts are 
of Penn State's facilities to talk to the coaches, not just head coaches, but assistant coaches, support staff, all, all of the, the different things um, and people, I think, that are critical to how the athletic department runs and what the athletic department is. So mm -hmm. really, by the time that July 1st came on Friday, he, he was ready to roll. Like he, he, he was uh, into it. He, he kind of had a, a feel for what Penn state was uh, some of its, its uh, you know, it's notable assets, obviously the things yeah. that it can be proud of. And then also some of the deficiencies, some of the areas that he kind of assessed as needing work and needing work quickly. Yeah. You've mentioned um, a couple of these things in your articles over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Uh, the first one came out on July 1st. The other one, I think, came out today or yesterday. So if you want to check those out, bluewhiteillustrated.com, $1 to sign up, and you get 12 months of access to inside information. And Nate is dishing the inside, inside information on the Lion's Den message board where you can <laughs> get his thoughts and reactions and maybe some things that uh, don't make the articles. So, you know, there's always there's always another layer to this. And you get you get all those layers. You get the whole onion for a dollar and you get 12 months of access. So it's it is a uh, it is well worth your money. But where do you want to start? Where do you want to start with your general thoughts of of some of the, the quotes and some of the comments he's made to you uh, in this interview? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the one to me that stands out the most and because it it. It was so blunt <laughs> was when he said uh, our facilities stink quote unquote was our facilities stink. Um, and, you know, he, he wasn't talking about football, uh, football, it's not even no nuance November. Like it's yeah. just straight up in the middle of the summer. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, but look like he, he, he's right. And, and part of this is sandy barber was trying to address some of these things right like the the master plan the 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 facilities outlook when she came into the program in 2014 these were needs then right like um just just um all of these different facilities needs outside of the realm of football because the first thing that everybody looked at when the master plan came out was what T Frank Beaver stadium. Correct. It's the yep. only thing that anybody cares about. Yep. For good well, reason. It's, the only like, thing, I, it's one of the only things they interact with. Uh, you know, the and most people interact yep. with Beaver stadium. They don't interact with any of the other facilities and you know, the other facilities that you interact with much smaller percentage of overall Penn state fan base. Yeah. I mean, what would you say? Like a fraction of a percent would could even tell you where the lash building is on campus, yeah. right? Like that's just yeah. You drive by Haluba Hall on on University Drive, you see the Bryce Jordan Center. So you know Rec Hall certainly, but even Rec Hall, you're not spending any time in the bowels of Rec Hall, right? Tr trying to find the women's volleyball offices, right? Like that's yep. just not part of it. Um, women's and soccer. if you're going to like, how many people fit in Rec Hall? How many? Six thousand. Six thousand. Six, okay. Seven, maybe. That's, yeah, that that's not even ten percent of the people that go through Beaver Stadium on a average game day. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but these are areas and these are things that he immediately pointed out to you as far as these need to be addressed. Yeah, and, and I think I think the premise is is fairly straightforward, which is simply if 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 we're going to care, right? If Penn State is going to carry thirty one sports, 
Okay. And you know that hockey is gleaming new facility. You know that football at Beaver Stadium, you know, you know what those things are. But if you're going to have a women's soccer team that wins a national championship in 2015, that's not that long ago. That doesn't have indoor plumbing at its stadium, right? Like porta potties. Um, that's not, that doesn't jive. Like that's not okay. So uh, that was what he said was, was, uh, you know, more or less, I'm paraphrasing that he wasn't trying to say that these need to be palatial estates that you need to, to, to invest, you know, crazy amounts of money into having the best facilities in the world for non-revenue Olympic sports. But you do have to, for like you owe it to your student athletes to yeah. have a locker room at their stadium. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's not just, it's not just women's soccer, but I think, or men's soccer, but both of those soccer teams. But the, the point is there that like, yes, those are probably the most pressing, but Penn state has a swimming and diving team. Yep. Uh, the natatorium is in disrepair. It, it's, it's no good. They got to figure it out. Um, tennis has an indoor facility that, can't host matches and can't do things the way that normal college tennis programs operate because the indoor tennis complex is so bad. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just, it, are these, let me, let me ask you, are these easily attainable goals and, and why haven't they been done uh, to this point? Yeah, I think, I mean, look like let, let's be blunt about how things get done, because this is the one thing that I thought he was, uh, again, very forthcoming with. How do things get done? Donors give money to Penn State. Mm -hmm. Directed mm -hmm. and earmarked, not earmarked, like in red ink, yeah, this is specified. what this is for. This yeah. is what this is for. And so lacrosse has a stadium because a donor said, hey, I'm, I want to pay for this. This, yep. I, this is an interest of mine. I want to pay for it. Uh, men's and women's basketball has new locker rooms and training facilities because a donor said, yes, this is something that I want to pursue. This is what I want. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, a, a, a huge part of this is if, if field hockey is going to have better facilities, uh, you know, uh, locker rooms, training areas. Right. If, if men's and women's soccer, all, all of these sports, if they're going to have better facilities point blank it is going to demand the commitment and the investment of donors be it individual or collective and yeah he made it very very clear that that's something that they're going to focus on right away is to to establish those relationships to get people excited um and and to drive those facility projects forward because it's no longer a question of like, yeah, this is a want, not a need. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. This this has to happen. These if if these sports are going to continue to be at Penn State, and right. I believe very strongly, secondary point here, but believe very strongly after my conversation that he is committed to keeping 31 teams. We're not talking about cutting teams. I yeah. I, I don't think that's in the plans for him. Right. If you're gonna have them, this is what you got to do. So that brings up the obvious next point, which was my obvious next point at the very beginning of uh, where does football stand in all of this? Yeah. We've talked about how, you know, Penn State has spread the wealth in terms of attention to their other programs. 
Um, and and all of this, by the way, uh, is is what Pat Kraft was known for, right? Over at Temple and Boston College, is fundraising and being able to get things like this done. So what what is the effect then on football? Yeah. I mean, and what I wrote about today was more or less the fact that he acknowledges and is not shying away from the reality that those things have to coexist and both need to happen, right? Uh, football continues to have facilities needs. It, it just does. There, there, there are things that even after this latest $48 million project get done, still need to happen. The coaches' offices still need to be renovated and expanded. Um Haluba Hall needs work. The practice fields need work. That there are, there's a laundry list of things that can and should be done for Penn State football from a facilities perspective to match what's happening nationally, to, to match what everybody else is working with. So that's that's the first point. But what he said was effectively that he walked into the Lash Building, he saw the, the construction, he was mostly impressed, right? He he felt like Penn State was in a good spot with the work and the progress that's being made from that end. But what he added to that was his relationship with James Franklin and his what he feels like he can bring to the table for football is to act as an advocate pushing for the same things, right? Like okay. to mm-hmm. to not to to not I want to be careful how I phrase this to not stand in the way of getting things done to, to be thinking about what needs to happen, right. To, to, to wake up every day and think to yourself, Hey, what can I do that can be of benefit and can be, um, uh, you know, something that pushes Penn state football forward. And I think that that's what Pat Kraft is at Penn state to do. I think that he thinks that very much of, Hey, I'm, James, what do you need? Right. right. Like, do, do you need me to talk to a recruit? Do you, do you need me to talk to admissions? Do you need me to talk? Like what, how do you need me? How can I be of use to you to further the ends of Penn state football? The, the way I phrased it um, in this particular conversation is my, my wife, my wife has travel anxiety, so she will clean the whole house before we leave. Like it is spotless. Um, so instead of, her telling me what to do, I know that this is going to happen, so I proactively do the dishes instead of having her tell me that I need to do the dishes or be annoyed that I'm not participating in her uh, in her desire to have things a certain way before we leave. Kind yeah. of the same way, instead of having somebody having to be the driving force and the head coach, you've got somebody who's steering the ship with you or is, in a lot of cases, taking the lead on these things. Yep. Freeing you up to do other stuff if you're the yep. head coach. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yep. Uh, and that obviously brings us to NIL. And it sounds like 
it's just like more money. Like it just the answer here is going to be Penn State needs to out don't like they they have to get donations at a level that other places they're competing with maybe don't because they're committed to having 31 sports and they're committed to being competitive in the NIL world with uh you know their all of the things that go with that. So yeah. how does that work itself out knowing the number one thing right now for Pat Kraft from what he's saying is facilities for non-revenue sports. Yeah. Um, so look, there's, there's two components that I see uh, from an NIL perspective that need to be addressed. The first is that they need money, right? Like you, you, more Penn state fans need to embrace the reality that this is what it's going to be moving forward. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like get behind it, find the Netflix model and get as many people as you possibly. Now, obviously you still want whales. You still want, you know, big donors to be able to, to contribute and to have businesses lock in on this, to, to, to make that marriage between businesses and Penn state student athletes. Yes. You yeah. want all of that. Absolutely. But the second component that I think is most immediate, Pat Kraft said that he he thought that they could have, or actually didn't think, he knew that they would have NIL cleaned up, uh, so to speak, in three or four weeks. And I think what he's talking about is just getting out of the way. Right? Like just, just, <laughs> Thank just getting you for out answering of the way. my question, because I was going to be like, what is, how, do you, how do you fix this problem that's been here for a year and a half? Yeah. In four weeks, like what? Okay. What's the secret sauce here? So here's the secret sauce. The secret sauce is when when NIL first came out, I did a series of articles about these different companies that helped student athletes, right? Like sell their gear. Okay, so like you, right? They they get a box, uh, just tons of stuff, more stuff than any of them could ever use, and most of these guys give it out. They give it away to their friends. They give it away to their families. They, obviously they have team issued stuff that they need to wear for practice and you know team appearances what have you but it is such a mountain of stuff that even now you see former players selling their gear on Instagram right well there are companies that take they they act as a middleman right they say okay you give us you send us all your stuff we'll sell it for you and then we'll write a check and yeah. that's it right like and so that way Fans have access to whatever, like Dom yeah. DeLuca's game worn, game worn, whatever, right? Like yeah. it doesn't shorts, right? Like practice shorts, uh, that kind of stuff that is not current, but ca came yeah. from previous years on the team. Penn State didn't do that. They they, they didn't allow for that. There, there were things like there are things of NIL that are still under the purview of Penn State Athletics to say, mm -hmm. hey, we're not going to allow these types of partnerships. We're not going to um, we're not going to let Penn State logos or Penn State branding or any part of Penn State be a part of how you your image looks in the sale, uh, right? Like, so you're advertising. Feels like that's a problem. Well, well, no, like, I mean, you, you saw today, uh, Sean Clifford today uh, mm. had a partnership with, I want to say like Lehigh Valley uh, Medical Center or something to that effect. And I think is announcing that he's going to be doing a clinic or a camp, right? Mm -hmm. that, that kind of thing. Well, instead of Sean Clifford in his Penn State uniform, 
right? From an, an image that's provided by Penn State, it's him standing there, right? Like it's right. just it's the person Sean Clifford, which is fine, but most people when they see Sean Clifford, they see him with a helmet on. That's how they recognize right. him. Right. Um, and so and so just just reducing uh NFTs, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the basically trading cards that are digital, right? And um players making like that kind of stuff, those media rights, those types of things. Some places you're able to sell those Penn state. You're not that is this. Okay. So is this enough? Like getting, I understand getting out of the way, opening up these other opportunities once again, for guys to go earn their own thing. And I know that we've talked about a lot of other places and maybe that'll never be the model at Penn state. And it seems like that won't be the model at Penn state of like you show up and you get $50,000. There's going to be some sort of, because this is the thing that uh, when we talked to Jason Belzer, success with honor, the, uh, the, the collective also has this model of focusing on every sport and uh, you know, appearances, doing things to earn the money, which I think most of us support Unless you just want to get a top five class, unless you just want to be able to get a top five recruiting class. So there is there is going to be this tension, I think. And is this enough to satisfy Penn State's need to compete to get to the numbers? We we talked about about five million minimum for football alone up to upwards to 15 million to be in the real competition for an elite roster. Can they do that? through the model that they have and kind of what you just outlined. Yeah. Well, so, so yes. And I, I, so there's a lot of stuff that's going on right now. One of them is these mega donors. John Ruiz He's the easiest target at Miami is, is trying to buy a team, right? Like he, he, he is, he is effectively saying, Hey, my money is best. All these guys are getting hit up constantly to make facilities improvements. Miami's facilities stink. They do. They're not very good. Okay. So John Ruiz has a proposition in front of him, right? He can dump 150 million of his own dollars into helping Miami athletics improve its facilities. And whether or not that actually makes an impact and improves the product on the field. Yeah, maybe, maybe it would. Or instead of spending $150 million, he could spend 15 on getting really, really good players to come to Miami. And I understand everybody's going to say, oh, enticement, enticement, enticement. That's exactly what's happening, right? Like, don't kid yourself. That is exactly what's happening all over the place. I'm not saying specifically Miami because I don't want to get sued, but (laughs) it's happening all over the place. And so... That's that is the way to hey he's doing it at ten percent of the cost rather yeah. than building up Miami's facilities he's very simply buying a team yeah. fine that is he not is, he is trying to find people to endorse his product Nate come on I it's true it's true uh, yeah but look like Penn State isn't attempting to do that model and I'm not sure that Penn State has to do that model mm-hmm. I think that the biggest. Uh, this is my own personal opinion, but also something that I think has been reflected by some of the comments of James Franklin and now Pat Kraft is the, the goal should be to yes, 
to, to have that collective success with honor funded at a baseline threshold of $5 million annually, that that yeah. money needs to be on tap for However, just football. I'm going to say just it again football. for 100%. just football, because the numbers that we were given but, were all for all of the sports. And it sounds like, and this is something going back to something Patrick Kraft has talked about. Like he mentioned Kale Sanderson multiple times, not only in your interview, but in the, in the press conference, uh, with, uh, his introductory press conference and deservedly so, but that yep. machine is rolling. Not to say that they don't deserve new facilities and they don't deserve these things because they absolutely do. Um, but they're the Alabama, you know, they, they've already got Correct. a significant lead on everybody else and the money coming in, it sounds like a lot of it's going to wrestling. So like the money that you see and then the million four that we talked about on the show, yeah, that's not, that's not going to football. That's going to everybody. So how do you, how do you do this? Yeah. How do you, you thread this needle? You have to, you have to, well, one, look, you, you can't stop people from giving to wrestling. It's good for Penn State right. wrestling that right. that is a passion and has the fan base that it does. There, there's no reason to stand in the way of that. And honestly, it seems to me fairly clearly from the very outside looking in that wrestling has had success with its NIL deals. Yes. They, yeah. They, they've done they've done fairly well on an individual basis. So I think that that's going to continue and they will continue, especially in that world of wrestling, which has its own broad national audience that is hardcore like they are into yeah. it yeah. uh they sell gear and stuff right like stuff that isn't marketed to you and me but yeah these like wrestling fans know about it want it and you know buy it <laughs> so, right. so like all that's good that, that can yeah. operate in its own ecosystem and by Football. the way my my point was my point was not to say that you shouldn't be donating to wrestling. My point was saying that it's a more anemic picture than even we've talked about for football. For sure, like for because sure. there's there's a lot of the uh, there's a lot of money being allocated elsewhere yep. of the figures we know. So there is, I think, even more work to do in this situation for your number one revenue generator. So continue. A hundred percent. It is bad. It's not good. Penn State yeah. needs to be better at NIL. Uh, I, I think that Patrick Kraft is going, that's, I mean, it's going to be a, a top priority is to get everyone on board and in line and focused on those efforts and, and to embrace it, to, to, to not shy, right. Like to not, to not dance around it. Um, so I think that's the first thing is, is just having a public stance that says, we are Penn State. We are embracing this. Uh, you you have not only do you have our blessing to donate to this, but we we are encouraging of it from a institutional standpoint. Because one of the things that we talked about all through the spring was that Penn State coaches show interview with Andy Frank and Dan Kabbalah of the football program, right? Yeah. And and like that was. That was the most forthcoming and the most um, outright, outright, right? Like yeah. that was the that was the most honest conversation that had been had publicly from anyone representing Penn State about NIL. That's yeah. no, that's no good, right? Like, yeah. and those guys are great. They 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 spread a, a an effective message, but it needs to be. 
Pat Kraft. It needs yeah. to be James Franklin. It needs to be Micah Shrewsbury. These people need to be able to say to their constituents more or less, hey, this is what this is and we yeah. need your support, right? And the, so I think that yeah. that's, that's part of what Pat Kraft is going to, like, I will not be surprised if, you know, in terms of that three-week, four-week timeline, if by the end of July, if there's not a public thrust from Penn State as yeah. an institution to get behind NIL and to, to gin up some support, I would be surprised. And that is, I think, fairly coinciding with the start of fall sports where you've got 100%. Uh, you've got soccer starting at that point. Um, you've got, you know, all the other sports that are gearing up in camp at that point. Um, the other part, the other point that I've made previously on this topic is that the introduction of what you just said, we're open for business. There is somebody there who is going to take the call about this stuff and, and will make calls about this stuff. James Franklin is a polarizing figure, and he has been, as you pointed out, football and, and James Franklin have been really the only people talking about NIL at Penn State over the last year and a half. So not having James Franklin as the spokesperson because yeah. half of all of Penn State fans seem to hate him, and the other half seem to be like, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah, it, I wouldn't go that far, but yes. I, I, right. I, 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 I'm yeah. hyperbole to make a point of like there is a division, and there is – and. You would imagine that, right? Like, unless you're this unsullied national champion head coach, yep. every other coach is probably in the same boat of, like, some of the people don't like him because he lost a game that made them angry. And yep. Pat, Pat Kraft doesn't have that on him. He doesn't have that particular, like, uh, part of his job. Yeah. So he can go out there and be the spokesperson for this, and it will be less inflammatory. There, There is a... When Nick Saban... And again, this is one of those multiple things going on. But when Nick Saban has to explain it to his constituents, fans, yeah. what this is, and it feels the need or feels behind on getting that support, that tells you something, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like some of these programs that are blue blood, so to speak, don't, the appetite is not there. And for what appears to me from, the fan side of things, probably pretty good reason, right? Like if you're, if you're right. a Penn state fan and you've been, you've been following Penn state for 40 years and Penn state's yeah. had ups, they've had downs, but for the most part has been a consistent top 15, top 25 type program, right? Just uh, not at the, not in the top five, but always giving yourself a chance being in that conversation nationally. Yeah. If you've done that for 40 years and Today, they're saying to you, hey, um, you know what? That was then. And for us to be able to continue to do this, we need triple the amount that you've previously invested in the program, whether that's yeah. tickets, whether that's Nittany Lion Club donations, whatever your support for the program has been, we need that to triple, right? right? You know what the you know what the reaction is? Is, yeah, no, no thanks. I. I'm not right. into that all that much, right? Like, yeah. What if 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 I was able to have I right? We if we were able to have that success for 40 years without my tripled investment, why should that not be able to continue? And yeah. it is incumbent upon Pat Graff, James Franklin, Micah Shrewsbury, so on and so forth, 
to be able to deliver that message, to be able yeah. to say, hey, this is this is where things are. This is what they're needed. It's funny to me because when Bill O'Brien came in to Penn State and they started the coach's caravan, right? Like, and everybody thought of the coach's caravan as like, oh, it's a a public rehabilitation of Penn State's image to a yep. certain extent, right? Yep. In the aftermath. That's not really what it was, right? What what Coach's Caravan was, was getting out and having face-to-face -face conversations with people with money yeah. to get them to provide more support for Penn State athletics. That hasn't happened in a few years. I'm not even suggesting that that's the most effective way to do it. But mm -hmm. that messaging and getting that message out of, one, Penn State has serious, serious infrastructure needs. Yeah. On the whole, has to happen. Getting that message out and rallying support for it. And then also, hey, <laughs> we need you here, but we also need you here in NIL. We, we yeah. need your support in NIL. Uh, these are perfect opportunities for your business, um, for you as fans to have a direct impact on the success of the football program. Right. A couple of things coming up this fall that I think are important. First off is talking about where sports like basketball and football, revenue generating sports that need these things to compete, where they stand in the national picture, where they stand right now. Having a better gauge of that going into uh, September and October. So really, to me, when I'm talking about like what's the picture here, I, I don't foresee any big changes happening until 2023. Like you, you might during the season you're gonna. I think you're gonna see some of this pick up. But is that a fair and reasonable way to look at it? Of like, okay, so we've got now, and this summer is kind of like we're building the ship. We're gonna set sail during the fall, and you're gonna see where we're going in 2023. Because right now, like this urgency of now today. Yeah, it just it doesn't seem like there's any sort of headwind. There's no there's no wind in the sails here, uh, and is that fast enough? I think it's I think it's in Pat Kraft's sails. I, I do. I, I mean, I think that he recognizes it as a, a, a serious serious thing. Look, look, uh, and I'm just spitballing. I genuinely have no concept of what the rollout is going to be, but getting a and again, like this is one of the other complications is individual state laws have different right. ramifications, right? So what what Southern Cal can do at California might not be the same as what Penn State can do in Pennsylvania due to Penn State's NIL law. Right. However, however, my guess is that anything and everything that would be within the scope of Pennsylvania's law, Penn State will have a plan to roll out in the very immediate future. I, right. I don't know. Like, I don't know because to me, there's a little bit of confusion. I'm not that up on whether or not can Penn state proper provide a marketplace for the player to sell autograph footballs. I, I don't right. know the answer to that. Right. Um, well, I, uh, the, from what I understand from our conversation, like, so student athlete NIL, Jason Belzer, is a is a third party working with a second party success with honor yeah. they they cannot talk directly to and he described it as the learfield of of nil learfield works directly 
with the university. So there is that level of separation that I, I, I would imagine. And again, you know, from what I've heard in some of the, the things, there is that barrier of communication even when but it comes to the the ability to direct people to the right place. They can say our preferred blankety blank, but they can't right. say, you know, we're not there's no partnership. There's no direct partnership with that. And from the NIL perspective of doing it in house, that would I don't think anyone's doing stuff like that, are they? No, they are. So, like Southern oh. Cal Southern Cal oh. Southern Cal's website had Caleb Williams autographed footballs at the onset of him coming to Southern Cal. Like that was, you could go to Southern Cal's, right? So go PSU sports for Southern Cal. You could do that. You could buy a helmet. You could buy a jersey. I don't know. That's a significant that's, difference. That is right. a I mean, significant difference. It, it hasn't even been a subject worth broaching previously because yeah. it, it was just a non-starter. It, it was it was not in the identity of what Penn State and how Penn State was going to handle NIL. Yeah. If that's a possibility, if that's something that you, that Penn State doesn't have to like uh, the the relationship with success with honor is there right whether they can say it or not that's what it is is penn state yeah like preferred nil fine but if penn state proper can start selling and being an a marketplace for the sale of some of these things and you can cut out the middleman make more money for the student athletes then yeah i think that that's something that they would explore i think that's something that they would do i mean you know all kinds of things having it up like commercials for success with honor during football games that should be happening yep (laughs) like all that stuff needs to happen so that in mind that kind of topic and this is the reason i phrase it the way to start this part of the conversation is you know from a football perspective penn state cannot go into the next cycle you know, class of 2024, the next off season, the next yeah. football season, 2023, they cannot go into that uh, with the situation they're in. They just, yep. they'll lose, like what you've talked about and what everyone has been would de- describing, Pat Kraft talked about it in, in his introductory press conference, sharks in the water that are bribing players to leave schools. Yep. You can't go into the next off season with this particular situation. But let me spin it forward a little bit. Immediate future, NIL, this is very important for Penn State's overall health for all of their particular rosters and things. But with, you mentioned USC, UCLA, the expansion. In the long run, is this a, is this even where we're going? Like, is this just, it does all of this matter in five to ten years? Knowing that five to ten years is still a long time. Uh, yeah. Does it matter? Um, it it does. It's just it's just what is the resolution on employee status for college football players? Yeah, point blank. How, how does that evolve? Who who's going to get? Who's going to be the the first step towards that? Right. I mean, you're talking about not that long ago, right? Three years, four years that Northwestern yep. made a decision as to whether or not to unionize and decided yep. not to do that. Um, you know, look like it, there, there may come a point where universities end up seeing this path versus 
that path and decide that that path is actually the lesser of two evils. Mm -hmm. I, but I don't, you know, like having to share the media, collective bargaining, like all that stuff yeah. is a yep. world in college athletics that certainly I'm not familiar with. I don't think you, right? Like, I mean, I guess you follow the NFL much closer than I do. Oh, oh, I've, I've got, I've got some ideas uh, when it comes to like, okay, there's a salary cap. There is a collectively bargained media rights. You now, instead of, you know, they can have NIL, you can do the, the hot dog commercials for Salins. You can do whatever you can do, you know, local TVs. That's just, that's just the side stuff, but the actual, like, then it becomes something I'm very familiar with, with, with yeah. the NFL. And, and this is something that, that uh, you know, the NBA free agency is going on right now. And I think a lot of people don't like some of the toxic uh, personalities or at least the, the, the portrayal of those people in basketball, which is very drama heavy. But as far as like offseason intrigue, Nate, oh, my gosh, NBA and NFL offseasons are yeah. so exciting. And yeah. if you don't have the threat of your whole team leaving every single year and there is some sort of like controlled environment, it's super fun. Yeah. Like it's there's there's the recruiting aspect and who knows how that'll evolve in a new situation in a new environment. But then you got this other side of like then you got to make choices. Then you can't like if you had a system where there was more equity, you wouldn't have the situation where you have four teams dominating playoff pictures. Isn't, but, you know, we're, we're so far away from that. It's just that's the exciting part is every year you actually have a chance. Is, isn't, isn't that the – isn't that better, though, than what's currently going on in college football? I think so, yeah. Where, right, like where there literally are no rules, and so – any player can leave at any time. It's it's hard for me because uh, we, we all know people, right? My sister, like uh, normal college students transfer. It happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. Right? Like you find out that a university isn't right for you. You spend a couple of years there. You make a decision. You transfer. One of my best friends in the world uh, transferred after his first semester of college to college ended up at Penn state for the spring semester. Like you, you don't even have to spend a full year before you know that a place isn't right for you. Yeah. So to take that autonomy away from again, college football players are going to college to take yeah. that away from them feels hard, but if they're employees and they're on contracts and those things are renewable or not, then maybe that changes that dynamic to where, Hey, you're you're not feeling as though you have to re-recruit your the entirety of your roster every single year to prevent them from sniffing yeah. around and seeing what else is out there. Also, it's it's a part of the environment. It's a part of the ecosystem. You're not trying so hard to go find extra dollars because we just spent 41 minutes and 59 seconds talking about NIL facilities, Scott, like all of these things. These are these are an added layer of what uh, coaches and athletic directors have to worry about now. They have to put that on their plate as well. Instead of saying, "Okay, the the TV money, which is driving all of this, is now like it's just we are now we are it's a it's already a part of the mechanism. You yep. don't have to." And I, I was guilty of saying this pre um, NIL of you can always go find money. Like there's around sports, people love sports. Sure, you can. Go find more money. 
I figured it'd be an environment with a little more control, you know, a little more control groups. We we didn't get there, but nope. I think you can see there's more money. You found money pretty quickly in some places to fund this particular endeavor, but did you have to? Did you have to? And I think that's that's where we are right now. Is uh, is it going to be so laborious to manage this monstrosity of NIL and put rules and regulations in place that can be struck down, right? Like, that's yeah. the whole thing is you can put rules and regulations in, but they can be easily struck down and it, you could be back at square one. It, it kind of feels like this isn't long for the world, but until it's not, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, so what you got to do. Yep. No, I, I, it's, it's, uh, this is year 18 for me. And at the beginning of my career, it was a joke how many rules were in place. The, the yeah. avalanche of rules, just rules on rules on rules on rules. And I always railed against just that crush of rules. And now you're seeing the other side where there yeah. are no rules. And it turns out that somewhere in the middle is probably best for everyone. We right? never like, get to, we never get there though. We never no. find a way there. It but it's <laughs> it's it's it is very very transparent. Like it's it you can see now that this is the the way that the pendulum has swung has just it's it's too far. Yeah. Not for individuals. There there are no players or families of players who are complaining about this. They don't, yeah. Trump, yeah. Like you you telling me that they can make even $50,000, $100,000, forget yeah. the million dollar contract, $100,000 that that's life changing. Mm -hmm. Uh you know to to an 18-year-old kid and their family because that that earning potential was never there before. Yeah. However, and, and for, the, by the way, just to cut you off, yeah. also during the prime of when this talent that you have, your marketability Correct. is at its highest because before Correct. it was four to six years of your earning potential as a football player was just null and void, putting yep. so much pressure on when you get to the NFL. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, the same argument uh, was made for the NBA and it didn't have a one and done. And so NBA could like you could maximize that earning yeah. like this is just this is just science your body isn't going to be able for most people to keep up with this for more than what a five to ten year window yeah right like get that get that earning for this very unique talent that you have at this time in your life yeah. so that's all good but for the game itself i think it, it, it has become very obvious that this isn't this isn't healthy this isn't good for the health of the sport now, if we end up with two super conferences that are, uh, you know, cohabitating, <laughs> correct, <laughs> that work together, have a common set of rules and create an environment in which you can have a level of playing field of competition. I, I don't know about you, but it sounds pretty good to me. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I see that as. The, whatever this evolution is, if, it, if it's going to happen over a long period of time, it took forever to get so much done in college football. And now I think that you're seeing a backlash to that and yeah. a, a sense yeah. of, hey, you know what? Like when when the ACC and the Pac-12 stood in the way of playoff expansion, why? Yeah. For what? Yep. And, and, and so now the, the Big Ten and the SEC are saying that, well, we're not going to do that. 
okay you 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 do you wake forest like have a good time that's yeah. fine right uh we're gonna do something else and you know i think it's gonna happen very very quickly anything else nate uh we're we've covered a lot of ground today and i think we've gotten into a lot of these <laughs> topics that uh, i'm glad you've gotten some uh, insight from Pat Kraft, and I'm glad we've able to advance this particular conversation. Anything left on the bone you want to give us as far as information or as far as your thoughts on the matter? Um, no, not not really. I just, I, you know, look, like I think that the key for a lot of Penn State fans who are watching this, who are kind of wondering who Pat Kraft is, how he's going to conduct himself, what his initiatives are going to be, um, you know, I think I, I think it's going to be fairly fast moving. He he said that. He, he said, I'm ready to go. Like, we're not, there is no time to waste. James Franklin said it, that they needed to be ready to roll. So, so I would, I'm, I am personally expecting the unexpected. I don't know exactly what's coming, but I know it's coming. Well, as it happens, we will have, if there's anything that uh, rises the level of breaking news on this subject, we'll have it here on the BWI Daily Edition. Nate Bauer is going to be back tomorrow, right, Nate? I should have asked you that. You'd, I sure For our am. weekly mailbag show. So make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated wherever you get your podcasts um, on YouTube as well. And if you're listening on the audio form, thanks again for uh, downloading the show. Make sure you are subscribed so you never miss the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We will talk to you tomorrow. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.